Hey, this is Candace Pringle, lead pastor of FE Church, and this is our podcast. Well, brand new sermon series today, Lost and Found. Listen, if you have been around church for any amount of time, you will know the phrase, the lost, right? Wave at me if you've heard the lost before used in a church setting. We're not talking about somebody wandering around with their GPS trying to find the right location, the right address, right? We're, we're, we have a certain person in mind, probably, when we say that phrase. Certain person or type of person in mind when many Christians hear that phrase. But it hit me lately just how lost even we are. As Christians, and maybe we think of you know that picture that you think of is somebody that is is homeless, or somebody that is addicted to a substance, or or somebody depressed, something like that. Uh, They're lost, they're wandering, right? It couldn't possibly be us. It couldn't. It couldn't be me. After all, I know who Jesus is, right? I I go to church. I give money. I serve somewhere. I'm good people. It's not me. And that's the formula after all, right? If I try to cut back on swearing and I listen to Christian radio and I read a devotional every now and then, I'm not lost anymore. I'm found. But is that the formula? Is there a formula at all? What if we only think that we're found? Now, what if we've just gotten good at acting like we're found on the outside? What does it mean to actually be found by Jesus? I've been around Christians my entire life, Um, surrounded by them. I know how to speak the language, talk the talk. I gave my heart to Jesus when I was three years old, okay? Been around Christians my whole life. I can amen, brother, and and hallelujah, sister, and should have bought a Honda like the best of them. Only some of you got that joke. It's called Christianese, right? We can speak the language, and sometimes it's easy to fall into talking the talk. Not walking the walk, isn't it? Even though I I grew up around Christians my whole life, I also went to public school. And you know you can get an education at a public school, right? Right? I knew something of the world, and it always struck me how many people thought they were Christians, thought that just because their parents were, or just because they go to church on on Easter and Christmas, they're Christians, right? My my whole family is Catholic. We haven't been to a Mass, and I can't tell you how long, but that's Christian, right? Is it, though? And I'd ask people sometimes, do you... Do you believe in Jesus? Because that's kind of the the basis. Little Christian. Christian actually means little Christ. Right? Well, when they'd say, well, yeah, his teachings are good and all, right? Be good, follow the rules, do unto others and all that. I try to be a good person. Is that really all it takes? Jesus wasn't a good Jew. He wasn't the typical Jewish guy. He wasn't. He didn't follow all the rules. He preached a radical message, a life-changing message, and not in the way that, like, your new ice cream flavor is life-changing. 
right? Your favorite new dish is life-changing. But more like the way the internet has changed the world, right? In 2021, it's changed almost every part of life. It's filtered its way down into everything. It's almost what we see the world through now, isn't it? That's more like the life-changing message of the gospel. It's not an add-on. It's not an a la carte situation. We can pick and choose uh, which pieces we add to our life. It's everything. As we've been learning over the past few weeks in, in open heaven, Jesus changed everything. And yet sitting in pews are people who have grown up going to, to VBS every year, but they can't explain what the actual gospel even means. Right, People who know the words of the Lord's Prayer but couldn't tell you who preached it or where to find it in the Bible or even what it really means. We have it memorized. Right, People who, who would throw hands if you even suggested that prayer should be taken out of schools or nativity banned from church squares. I have no idea what it actually means to love your enemy, to bless those who curse you. Cultural Christianity. Cultural Christianity admires Jesus, but doesn't think he is needed, except to take the wheel in times of crisis. Cultural Christianity, and the God of cultural Christianity is the big man upstairs, right? And whether or not he is holy and, and people have sinned against him is irrelevant. Words like hope and, and faith and believe are on the walls of the living rooms as decorations, but the actual words of God only come around when Psalm 23 is read at a loved one's funeral. We're still clinging to all of the wrong things and claiming Christianity at the same time. Relationships, money, possessions, status, entertainment, even happiness, the elusive happiness. These are the things we chase. These are our leaders in life, and we're lost. But the trouble is, we think we're found. And I wonder if that's even more dangerous. I might say God is my provider, but I lose my sanity when I lose my job because I actually believe I am my provider. I, I might say God is my healer, until I get a diagnosis. It's terrifying. But I might say God is my protector, my shield, my banner, my place of safety, but is he really who I run to first in times of crisis? There's so many out there were religious, but not repentant. Overchurched, underreached. Jesus changed the paradigm. Jesus changed everything. There is not righteous and unrighteous anymore, clean and unclean. Now it's lost and found. We are lost and we are found. But as I started studying this, I actually came across maybe a third type of person. Someone in between lost and found, who I've come to call the blind. Right, the lost are people who are lost and know they are lost. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. People who know they can't do this on their own. People who have come to rock bottom at some point and think, there must be something else. 
They wonder at things. They ask questions about things. That, that is the lost. And then, of course, there is the found. This is people who know that they are found. They were lost. I know that. I remain humble about who I was before Jesus. And I know I couldn't do this without him. I am found in his presence. I know who I am in Christ. The found. But the blind are somewhere in between. These are people who are lost but think they're found. Or, or people who are found but still act like they're lost. The, the lines get blurred all over the place. They cling to religion instead of relationship. And they're so much harder to reach. Because you first somehow have to convince them that they are indeed lost. And these are the people that have it all together. What do I need the teachings of Jesus for? I'm, I'm good. Like I've got this life thing. This is actually why America is so much tougher to reach right now than parts of the world. We get questions sometimes like why we tell these miracle stories and these big amazing things that happen on missions trips across the world and third world countries. And people are like, why doesn't that happen here? Why are all those big, crazy, amazing stories somewhere else? Why can't they happen here? We think we've got it all together here. We don't know that we're lost yet. Blind to the truth. And both the lost and the blind are lost. One just doesn't know it. And it can be so much harder when they don't. I want to compare two stories today for you. Two stories that aren't necessarily usually compared. But they hit me this week. I just couldn't stop flipping. I actually had two BibleGateway.com tabs open on my computer. And all week I was going back and forth. I didn't know which one to preach. And then it just, I came down to both. It's going to be, it's going to be both. Because we're comparing these two men and their interactions with Jesus. Luke 19, verse 1 is the first one we're going to read. Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. There was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was a chief the chief tax collector in the region, and he had become very rich. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road, for Jesus was going to pass that way. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. But the people were displeased. He had gone to be the guest of a he has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor Lord, and if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. Jesus responded, Salvation has come to this home today. For this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. The son of man came to seek and save those who are lost. The religious are grumbling outside while the repentant are saved. It struck me as I read this, a couple of things. First of all, this actually happened. Another one of the stories that I looked at was the prodigal son. Right? He was lost and then he was found. He came home to his father. That was a parable, though. Parables are powerful to teach us. Uh, that story is amazing on so many levels. And every time I read it, I get something new out of it. But this actually happened. This wasn't a parable that Jesus told. Zacchaeus was an actual person. 
a Jew. A Jew who betrayed his own people and was working for the occupying government, Rome. A Jew who was hated by all other Jews. Not only was he working for the enemy, he was helping to take all the Jews' hard-earned money from them, right, by force for something that they did not want in the first place. He wasn't a popular guy. Viewed by Jews as a thief, a sinner, the worst of the world. The disciples would not have included this particular story in the Gospels if it wasn't true. Because it doesn't help their case. I know Jew would read this story and be like, that's the guy I want to follow. It, it, it adds a level of credibility to it because it had to be true. They put it in because it was true, not because it was propaganda. It didn't help their case. This happened. Not just a parable like the prodigal son who, who only came back to his father after losing all his money. Jesus had already stated by this time that it's very difficult for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. I, and so I, I, I wondered, why? When did Jesus say that? Why did he say that? And how come it so seemed to be so easy for Zacchaeus? And so I went to the story of the rich young ruler, which is where Jesus said that in Mark 10, verse 17. And I want to read this one to you, too. As Jesus was starting out on his way to Jerusalem, a man came running up to him, knelt down, and asked, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Listen to Jesus. Why do you call me good? Anybody else feel like that's a weird response coming from the Messiah? Son of God, why do you call me good, Jesus asked. Only God is truly good. But to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. You must not cheat anyone. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, the man replied, I've obeyed all these commandments since I was young. Looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. There's so many things that aren't said in this passage. Can you imagine, first of all, a, a rich, young ruler? He's dressed very nice, probably. He's, he's coming up to Jesus in the middle of people, kneeling down before him, putting on a really good show, calling him good teacher. Was this about an eternal life? Or was this about the rich, young ruler? That he butters Jesus up a bit. I've done all those things since I was young. Gold star me, Jesus. Tell me I'm good to go, right? Send me on my way so I can go back and tell everyone how cool I am. Looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. There's still one thing you haven't done, he told him. Go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. At this, the man's face fell, and he went away sad, for he had many possessions. <laughs> sad for his possessions. Right? He, he's missing the point, obviously. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Now, this amazed them. But Jesus said again, dear children, it is very hard to enter the kingdom of God. In fact, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were astounded 
I feel like I would also be like, I don't often, sometimes I'm like disciples, come on guys, get it together. You know what I mean? But this is, I would be astounded. A camel and a needle. That's Jesus's words. Then who in the world can be saved? They asked. Jesus looked at them intently and said, humanly speaking, it is impossible, but not with God. Everything is possible with God. And yet, Zacchaeus doesn't seem to have the same trouble. And I kept flipping back between these stories. What's the difference? Zacchaeus willingly gave everything. I mean, he's rich as well. He doesn't seem to have trouble giving away his possessions. What's the difference? Both were rich. Both were Jewish. Both came looking for Jesus. The only difference I can see is that the rich young ruler had a very specific question for Jesus. What must I do? What must I do to inherit life? What must I do? Not who must I become, right? Not who must I serve. How can I get on your team, Jesus? What can I learn from you? Can I just sit at your feet and and learn for a while? No, what must I do? Give me a a checklist. I'm going to go down the list and I'm going to check them all off. And I probably already have them checked off anyway. I mean, I've done all these things since I was young, right? What must I do? He was asking for another do or don't. He wasn't recognizing as Jesus as the Messiah who would change everything about his entire mindset and life. He didn't want his life changed, actually. He wanted to secure himself a place in heaven, preferably with all of his possessions as well. Right? He was asking for Jesus to fit into his religion. Whereas Zacchaeus just a humble guy in a humble tree. Curious guy in a humble tree. Just wanted to see Jesus. The rich young ruler ran up to Jesus. He knelt down. He called Jesus a good teacher, which Jesus resisted. Why do you call me good? Right? Jesus said, only God is good. He didn't let this guy schmooze him. He didn't let this guy butter him up or flatter him with his kneeling and his deference and his religious fluff. Jesus actually said, you know the commandments? Come on. (laughs) You should know better. You know the commandments? The guy says, well, yeah, I've done them all since I was a kid. Gold star, please. Right? But Jesus sees right through him. He loves him genuinely, genuinely, and speaks right to the heart of this man's issue. This man had been taking his identity from his wealth. He had been a slave to the religion and the money and and the whole system. It became who he was. He was lost. Even though he was Jewish and even though he knew all the commandments, he was lost. Not understanding that his heart can't be anchored in anything that Anything that weak, anything that superficial, he was lost. But even more than that, he was blind to the fact that he was lost. That the money, the religion, the gold stars, the the A pluses, they just made him feel like he did have it all together. Like he was in the right place, doing the right things, finding the right leader, but with the wrong heart. Many people followed Jesus at various points in his ministry, but with the wrong heart. And eventually they fell away. 
because Jesus confronted them with truth. I am the bread of life. I'm not going to feed you bread every day, guys. I am the bread of life. This is what I've come to offer you. And hundreds left him all in one day. Whereas Zacchaeus was just a curious guy in a humble tree, and Jesus found him. Zacchaeus was lost. The rich young ruler was blind. And that is the difference between the two. Zach, Jesus came to seek and save the lost, to, to reach cultural Christians. We have to first convince them that they are lost. It's not an easy job. We, we have to first be able to, to see that the, the money, the wealth, the possessions, the fame, the respect, whatever it is we're chasing, the success, right? They can be fine tools, not that they're bad things in and of themselves. Some people take this too far. Well, if I'm a Christian, I must be in poverty. No, God wants good things for you. He's your provider. He wants to make your name great. He he wants good for you. It's not one or the other. They're they're great tools, all of them. Terrible gods. We can't chase them and Jesus at the same time. Zacchaeus had that figured out after one evening with Jesus. One dinner in his home, he was willing to give it all back, give it all up, just to be found. And Jesus called him a true son of Abraham. True son of Abraham. Not those complainers out in the street. Not the people who think they have it all together. Not the ones who are hanging out on the outskirts just to judge me. Zacchaeus was the true son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of faith. Jesus was saying that uh, Zacchaeus may not be perfect and he may have not always followed all of the rules. He said his hallelujahs and did all the right things. But when confronted with the real God, Jesus, the Messiah, he changed. And it was a true change, a faith change. Abraham, by faith, climbed up a mountain, ready to sacrifice his own son, whom God had promised a great nation would come from. Because he had faith that God would do something. God would resurrect his son, surely. If I'm meant to to actually sacrifice him on an altar, God will give us a way out. I know he will. He'll resurrect him. He'll give us another sacrifice. Something will happen. God keeps his promises. So I'm going to be obedient even when I don't see why even when I don't see what this could possibly help, even when it's uncomfortable and messy and requires me to give up everything. That is faith. The rich young ruler thought he was already found, but he was blind. He was lost and he didn't even know it, whereas the sinful, cheating tax collector knew he was lost, but Jesus called him found. Nothing can save me but Jesus. Nothing. If I actually believe that, everything changes. If I actually believe that, everything changes. Yes, even as a a Bible-thumping Christian since I was three years old. When I actually get that down into my soul, everything changes. If you actually believe that today. What will that change for you? 
I'm not promising riches or poverty. I'm not promising all your prayers will always be answered and you'll be living the lifestyles of the rich and famous, although God does want to make your name great and provide for you and all of that. I'm calling us out of blindness. I'm calling us to open our eyes and see the places where we've gotten stuck in religion instead of relationship. I'm calling out that pride thing that wants to raise up within you. Say, I'm not lost. (laughs) I got this. Right? I got this. I know John 3.16. I can tell you the gospel. I know what it means. (laughs) Got all the, the... Bible characters, and and I know the word front to back. I've got this. The truly found know who they are without Jesus. I'm calling us to humbly sit in a tree, get a good view, and listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit, rather than trying to prove something to Jesus. Found people are willing to give everything and anything in the service of Jesus. Found people are willing to change when confronted with the true love of Jesus. Found people show their faith through their actions instead of of letting it be action only. And found people know who they would be without Jesus. Jesus called sinners to come and follow him. Sinners. He didn't call the Bible scholars, at least most of them weren't. He didn't call priests and leaders. He called sinners. He went and found them. Yeah, he he taught the priests when they showed up. He tried. He had words of wisdom and rebuke for them. Some of them probably got a hold of it. But he seeks the lost those who know who they are without him. He finds them where they are. He leaves the 99 to find the one. He loves us right where we are, calls us into more. Serve Jesus. Listen to Jesus. Be found. Father, we ask you today for your grace that a beautiful grace and and peace, holiness would fall in this room today. And for those watching online, that you would touch each of us right where we are. Minister your love, your forgiveness. We don't have to be lost anymore. You call each and every one of us found. All we have to do is open our eyes and see it. Convict us where we need convicting. Make our paths straight. Help us understand exactly who we are in your presence. That we are not holy and righteous in and of ourselves because of anything we did. In fact, without Jesus, we deserve nothing from you. No relationship, no inspiration, no revelation, not eternal life. We... we, are owed nothing but through Jesus 
we inherit eternal life. Through Jesus, we are more than overcomers. We are children of the King. Through Jesus, we have forgiveness and grace and love. God, help us not to cling to religion, to jump through all of the hoops, to to reassure ourselves that we're doing okay because we're doing the right things and, and saying the right things. Help us, the church, to be humble, beautiful examples of who you are. To love people genuinely. To find people where they are. Be graceful and kind to them. Not heaping shame and condemnation on the world around us. Showing them the love of Jesus Christ. God, help us find the lost. Just like Zacchaeus in that tree. Help us call them out of being lost. Help us call them out of blindness. Help us show the world your grace, your love, the amazing sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Heads bowed and eyes so closed. I just want to pray for you today. If you feel a little like you've been clinging to religion lately, Maybe there's something you haven't admitted you've been holding on to and you're not quite ready to let it go or maybe you've been reassuring yourself somehow that you're doing okay but you haven't let Jesus in lately. It's been more about the religion than the relationship lately. Maybe just slip your hand up where you are. I just want to pray for you today. All you're saying is I want to get back to the relationship. I want to let Jesus in. I want to repent. I know now it's not about religion. Maybe today you're saying, I have never actually made the decision once and for all to give my life to Jesus. I want to do that today. Give everything to him. I'm ready. I know that I'm lost, but I want to be found. And salvation is so easy with Jesus. He came to make it easy for us. He wants to give you the gift. And you might be saying, oh, you don't know what I've done. You don't know who I am, who I've been. I've messed up so completely. If you only knew, you wouldn't be offering me this. But I do know because I'm not perfect either. I'm not worthy of anything that God has to give either. And yet he gave it to me. He wants to give it to you today. Set you free from the sin and the selfishness. To give you a fresh start. Make you a new creation. Like the song we sang today, he makes beautiful things out of us. He lifts us up. He calls gifts and talents out of us that we never even knew we had. He puts within us the the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace. And he wants to give them to you today. If that's you and you're saying today, I'm lost. I know I am. But I want to be found. I want to give my life to Jesus once and for all. I'd love to help you with that decision. I want to give my life to Jesus. 
Father, we pray over every decision made today. Pray that you would convict us, you would call us out of whatever darkness it is that we're blindly wandering through today. Show us your amazing love, the grace, the kindness. Father, help us be found in you. We thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Remember the word amen means I agree. So I'm going to ask you, do you agree with this word? Amen. Would you guys stand to your feet before we go from this place? I want to read the words of Paul to the second Corinthians at the end in chapter 13 that he spoke over them. Finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice, strive for full restoration, encourage one another, be of one mind, live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. This week, be found. Walk in Him and carry the peace of God in your lives. FB Church, thank you so much for worshiping with us. We'll see you next week. Bring somebody along with you guys. We love you. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, please let us know by going to fv.church/imn. And remember to download our app for more content and helpful links.
the word amen. Come on. The word amen comes originally from Hebrew, and, and it means verily, truly, I agree, let it be so. It is a declaration of agreement. I remember being a little kid, going to church for the very first time, and I had all of these questions for my dad. Why did they raise their hands? Why were people jumping? What does amen mean? That's like, is it, are we saying I'm a man? Like, what is, what's, what are we doing? And he said, you're saying, I agree. If somebody finishes praying and you say amen, you're declaring, I agree. But it, it literally means, let it be so. So declare it at the end of your own prayer. Declare it in your life. You know what you want. You know what God's calling. You know what he's saying. You say, amen. You read God's word. You say, amen. You see something you don't understand, but you know God's got a plan for it. You say, amen. Because I agree. Let it be slow. Let it be truth. Declare truth wherever you can. So when we declare peace, amen. When we understand his word, amen. And when we're ready to worship, we say amen. Father God, what you are doing, we want to be a part of. We want to line up with your will, your purpose, and your plan. So together, as your people and as your church, we declare amen, amen, and amen. FE Church, thank you so much for worshiping in agreement with us. Say hi to somebody. Say amen to somebody as you make your way to your seats today.